If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. For those who want to watch the program live or on demand this morning, folks, I want to talk about the media today. I want to talk about the media, and I want to talk a little bit, a little bit about culture as well. i got an interview that I want to share with you, but I want to start with, with the media. I mean, this is truly, we're at a point. We're at a point where it takes real, genuine skill, I mean, even beyond what we've had to deal with in the past. It takes real, genuine skill to navigate what we're dealing with in the media, to navigate what we're being told in the media, to navigate what we're not being told in the media. This incessant, unstoppable, unquenchable thirst for an outcome that they desire is truly, it's borderline immeasurable. What we're dealing with is in my estimation, in my estimation, much worse than whatever cockamamie idea they want to put into your mind, into my mind, that deals with Russian collusion, Ukrainian interference, or whatever else. It's this pervasive, out-of-control media. I mean, it's truly remarkable. Yesterday... Yesterday, reports surfaced that 300-plus Trump ads were taken down by Google and YouTube. I'm actually referencing an article at cbsnews.com. You may have seen this or heard this in other places. 300-plus Trump ads taken down by Google, YouTube. Actually, this is dated from late Sunday night. How to handle political ads on social media has become a growing concern as the 2020 U.S. presidential election approaches. They write in this article, Facebook has taken most of the heat after refusing to remove an ad for President Trump's re-election featuring false information about his opponent, Joe Biden. Now, the first thing to do when we come up to, um, I guess, accusations like this. Right. The first thing to do is to maybe go to the ad. 
Now, I'm going to probably send the Trump campaign a bill for this. So be prepared, Trump campaign, because you're going to get a bill for me airing this ad. But I want you to hear this ad. Biden corruption is the name of this ad. Now, I want you – now, the media is certainly – well, there's so many layers to this. Number one, number one, there should be reporting in the media. You know, the problems that conservatives have with the quote-unquote media isn't – well, we have a problem with the things that the liberal commentators are saying substantively, but it's not with the commentators. It's not with – it's not with those who are out there making it clear that these are their perspectives, these are their views, that they are coming at it from a biased position. Folks, I come at this from a biased position. I am not trying to tell you that I am reporting news. I am not a news reporter. I don't pretend to be one on the radio nor play one on TV. I am someone who takes news and information, many times information that's incomplete, many times information that's incoherent, many times we take information that's deceiving, misleading, and we talk about it. We talk about information that we do know to be true in those rare instances in today's uh, in today's world where we know the information to be true, which candidly is maybe – I don't even know the percentage, but it's got to be a small number. So we take that and we comment on it. We actually try to persuade. See, that's what it means to be an editorialist or a commentator. It's to take information and to try to persuade. I tell you on this program – that I want to persuade people for constitutional conservatism. I make – there's no secret about that. Ironically, I think we're probably still fairer, more objective than the vast majority of the news outlets out there today. See, they want to tell you – they want you to believe that the, that the information they are presenting to you is objective, is unbiased, is presented in a way in which – You can make your own decision when in reality, what they want to do, what they want to do is persuade you to a certain opinion, which is the same thing that I want to do. The problem is, the problem is they do it under the guise of simply reporting information. We're just telling people information. No, they're not. (laughs) These folks are sinister. These folks are professional deceivers. Now, there are some good journalists out there, but there are not many. In fact, in fact, simply the words that I said here a few moments ago, saying that a reporter, a journalist, someone in the media, someone whose job is to report information and to not assign any sort of uh, value necessarily to information, just to tell you the information. The value is in being able to present to you as best as humanly possible. We all have our own biases but as best as humanly possible to present to the audience information in a way that they can then take it and the audience can then use it, apply it, make their own decisions from. That's the job of a journalist. In fact, a true journalist, in my estimation, in my estimation, a true journalist would be one who wouldn't even want you to know what he or she thinks about it. But folks, I am telling you, that is a rare breed. I remember years ago listening listening to Rush, who's one of the two 
primary inspirations of this uh, program. Of course, we have different styles and whatever else, but one of the two uh, main inspirations for uh, this this program, you know, pr- people that have done something similar. The other, believe it or not, is Dave Ramsey. Maybe more on that as as time comes together, as time goes by. But but Rush said, I remember that you know when you go to a, a, a journalism school, a college for journalism. He said, when you go around and you ask the students why they're in, people have done this, why they're in journalism, they say to change the world, to change the world, which seems in some sense innocuous, right? That's kind of the idealistic 20-year-old in America today. They choose their professions to change the world. They don't use straws to change the world. They don't eat meat to change the world. They reduce their carbon footprint to change the world, all this stuff, which whatever, all, I think all of us at one point in time, at that certain age, maybe thought in, in terms like this. And not to say, that, look, not to say that there's anything wrong with that. that actually, a journalist should want to change the world by presenting information in an, un- an unbiased way. But what they really mean is they want to persuade people to a certain series of Decisions, conclusions, reactions, whatever the case may be. And that's not the job, folks, of journalism. And simply by uttering these words, this is considered offensive to the likes of CNN. And yes, I've still got this ad queued up here. But this is considered offensive to some. Some consider this an assault on the First Amendment. Oh my goodness, you're assault. You're insulting, you're criticizing the media. Like this guy in China. I don't know if you saw this. Time permitting, we'll talk about this. I don't, I don't know that we'll get to it today, but this guy in China who was brought in by police questioned because he criticized them on social media. They're rough on this. I mean, you know, the Chinese uh, law enforcement brings you in. That's got to be a tad bit intimidating. And just watching and listening to the questions, of course, I don't speak Mandarin or whatever they were speaking there, but I do have the ability to read subtitles. It's crazy, the stuff that's happening in China, which I don't want to get into China. I want to talk about this Biden, this Biden ad, but this is where, this is where this, the, the, the path that we are on, the, the, I would say the immoral behavior of our media, the, the abandonment of journalism, I would say the move towards more, uh, you know, big government solutions. These things all move us candidly. Now we're far, far, far away. I'm not saying that we're on the the door of the Chinese, you know, one step behind them, so to speak. But you see the fulfillment of where this crap ends, and this is where it ends. It ends with some guy sitting before law enforcement, answering questions about why he criticized police on social media. Heaven only knows what's either happened or going to happen to this guy based upon the desire of those who have total authority and control. But back to this ad. So the, the, the media, CNN, CNN pulls this ad. In fact, other people were criticized, Facebook and YouTube, for not, for not pulling this ad because, because it, as they say, presents things that are objectively false as true. So I want you to listen to this ad for yourself, and yes, we'll be sending 
an invoice to the Trump campaign for this. Here it is. This, this ad is called Biden Corruption. Take a listen. Okay. Well, it's not queuing up here. I got it queued up. Bear with me. Bear with me here. Here we go. All right, we're having. It. Let me cue this up, and we'll get it after the break. Or we're close to a time for a break anyway. <laughs> Sorry about this. It's, it's it's cued. It's just not playing the sound. So we'll take our time out here. When we get back, I'll play this ad called Biden Corruption. Called Biden Corruption. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. I should mention here, for those who uh, were waiting to hear this ad last segment, I should mention that we recently have changed the way that we cue audio sound bites. We were using a program within the iMac here, and for some reason, for some reason, when I ran it directly off of the off of the iMac, it was creating interference. In fact, it sounded like it didn't sound like this if you were listening on the radio, if you're listening on Freedom 95 or KYAH in Utah. But it did it did sound like this if you listened on the podcast. It sounded like whatever file, <clears throat> excuse me, that I triggered, like the people talking or the person talking was in in a tin can. Almost a little bit of Almost like if, if if someone called into a radio station that was standing too close to their to their radio and you got that kind of feedback. And I didn't know that for the longest time, and I apologize if you were one that had uh, audio messed up because of that. Because all the files that we check, it wasn't doing it. It was only doing it when it went back and was loaded into the podcast itself. I don't know why it wasn't going out across the radio like that. Don't know. So we've changed things. So that's part of my my issue here with this um, with this particular uh, sorry check okay with this particular soundbite. So with that said, this is the ad. This is the ad they want you to believe was pulled because it's ob- uh, objectively, demonstrably false. This has all been disproven. That's what they want you to believe. This ad again is called Biden corruption. Biden corruption. This is the first uh, first of two ads that were pulled. This is before what Facebook and YouTube pulled uh, what three hundred ads or whatever yesterday. Here's the ad. Biden promised Ukraine a billion dollars if they fired the prosecutor investigating his son's company. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, so- But when President Trump asks Ukraine to investigate corruption, the Democrats want to impeach him and their media lapdogs fall in line. They lost the election. Now they want to steal this one. Don't let them. I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message. All right. That's the ad. That's the ad. I did manually mute out where Joe Biden on stage said, well, son of a blank. So maybe cut out more than there I than I had attended to uh, <laughs> that I had attended to, but nonetheless, that's the ad. That's object. That is objectively false. That has been pulled in part because 
it, it apparently, they say, furthers a narrative, furthers a narrative that is untrue. And by the way, since when's the media cared about something being untrue? I mean, I guess other than when it helps or hurts them, of course, but it's really, it's really, uh, to me, this, these are the problems, these are the problems that we have to address, at least be aware of, right? Folks are so worried, what's, what's Russia, what kind of Facebook posts are Russia going to make in 2020, right? Oh my goodness, we're going to be going about our business, someone's going to create a Facebook post, we're going to be going through our Facebook feeds, or you will, because I don't really do this, other than to communicate with you on the show, which I which I do enjoy. But I don't get on the, I don't care about Facebook. God bless you if you do. Scrolling through Facebook, you're going to come across a Facebook ad that's been planted there by some Russian hack, and you're going to lose all ability to even know what's going on. You're going to be confused. In fact, there's a chance you're going to be hypnotized into voting for Trump even though you clearly should vote for anyone besides Trump. This is really the narrative. This is the narrative. And it's got to be it's got to be stopped because in a sane world folks, and I'm not saying there's no problems with with foreign countries interfering or trying to influence the outcome of an election for their own benefit or what have you. I'm not saying that at all. That's not we should try to protect against that, but this idea this idea that you're minding your own business, going through Facebook, playing Pokemon Go, whatever you're doing, some ad pops up, you go into some hypnotic trance, you're unable, suddenly unable to decipher between reality and the fantasy world created by the ad. You're in, it's impossible for you to do this. And then you go out and cast a vote for Trump. That's what we're supposed to believe. That's what we're supposed to believe happens. Here's another one. I want to play this one as well. I want to get two invoices over to the Trump campaign today. This is an ad that's also been pulled by CNN. It's called Coup. Now, another way of looking at this is why are they afraid of this message getting out? That's really the question. Why are they afraid of the message about Biden, who, by the way, did say, right? They act as though they didn't say this, but Biden threatened to withhold a billion dollars. I mean, he's on tape saying this. He's on tape saying this. Now they'll say, well, you know, it wasn't to save his son. Okay. Well, then why is Trump the. Look, that, that is a possible interpretation. It's not been disproven. It's not been proven in fairness. But then again, it's not been looked into. They tell us there's nothing to see here. Just ignore it. Move on. Just don't. Don't ask any more questions about that. That's basically how they've handled that. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we've had an incessant, nonstop narrative about Trump doing everything for always the wrong reasons. If there's two ways to interpret an action taken by President Trump, one way is uh, rather benign or not really dangerous, just something that the president's exercising his decision-making abilities in the White House – if there's two ways of interpreting that, you know, one being he's a dictator trying to destroy America, rip the Constitution apart, and the other is to say it's just a different way of 
running politics. It's it's someone running the country, I should say. It's someone trying to fix some of these, uh, I don't know, these the, the problems of corruption and the deep state, if you will, or whatever. Just, just the problems of D.C., draining the swamp. They don't choose that one. They choose Trump's a tyrant, Trump's a dictator, and there's no other alternative. Meanwhile, when it's Biden, Biden's innocent. Biden can't be accused of anything. They've been proven false, even though no one's looked into these things. Of course, they'll tell you that foreign governments have, and as though there's no the same governments that may be trying to do things unethically. Of course, it's just Russia, I guess, is trying to affect our election. But in the next breath, they want you to believe that these governments are corrupt and they're trying to collude with Trump to do something else. But when it comes to the Bidens, if they say the Bidens didn't do anything, then they didn't, so we should move on. Right? That's it. So this is this is another ad that they've pulled. As though this is, you know, there's there's this is objectively patently false, is what they want you to believe. Look, it doesn't mean that this is true. It's just a case being made by the campaign. It's the case being made that says these folks are unhappy with the election and they're doing anything in their power, even if it's Outside the realm of how power should be legitimately exercised, these folks are trying to undo the outcome of the 2016 election. That is a perspective. That is a perspective. By the way, a perspective that one could actually defend in many ways. But I want to play this ad for you as well. Another example of an ad pulled by CNN and others, but not not Facebook and, and Google until whatever happened yesterday or this weekend. Here you go. Democrats trying to undo the election, regardless of facts. Well, we know it's not illegal. What crime was violated? Can you name one? Attacking the president by any means necessary. The entire whistleblower complaint is based on hearsay. This seems to me like a political setup. Fabricating evidence. Adam Schiff in the middle of a committee hearing making crap up. None of those things are in this transcript. It's nothing short of a coup, and it must be stopped. I'm Donald Trump. And I approve this message. There you go. Another ad that's been pulled. Again, I challenge someone. What's demonstrably false? You can say, you can say we don't believe that the media, we don't believe that the Democrat Party is acting in a manner to, uh, you know, run a, a coup, if you will. But they're making the case that this incessant quest for impeachment is about undoing what happened in the 2016 election. You can certainly make that case, especially when you look at the merits of impeachment. What are the merits? This whole thing's crumbling around them. Anyway, I wish I could say more about this. I got to take a time out. When we get back, I want to shift gears a little bit. I said I wanted to talk about media today, and I want to talk about culture as well. So I want to shift gears, talk a little bit about culture, share a conversation I had with Andy Mason. You've heard me talk about this uh, Heaven in Business seminar, workshop, I should say, here in Indianapolis on Friday. I will I will be there and would like to invite any of you uh, interested to take a look at coming as well. But I have an interview with him talking about some of these uh, th- things pertaining to, to culture, pertaining to uh, faith, pertaining to the workplace. So I'm going to share that conversation I had with Andy when we return. You are listening to the Home of Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute.
Welcome back. So you can't criticize the media. You're just supposed to take uh, their word for it, whatever they tell you. If an ad they say is demonstrably false, then you just, I guess, are supposed to believe that and move along your merry way. If you point out that they are not being objective, you criticize them. They, of course, say that you're in danger of overturning First Amendment protections. This is very convenient, by the way, if you're a liberal so-called journalist in today's world. Put on your big boy and big girl pants. That's what I say. But anyway, I want to share a conversation I had with Andy Mason. He's the founder of a group called Heaven and Business. I mentioned a couple of times in the past week or so that I will be attending the workshop that they're having here in Indianapolis on Friday, Friday of this week. Encourage you to check it out, heaveninbusiness.com slash events with an S. Check that out. I want you to hear what Andy is doing, what Andy has to say about culture, faith, the workplace. Here's my conversation with Andy Mason, founder of Heaven and Business. Hope you enjoy. Anytime, you know that uh, we talk about politics, but we also talk about culture. And then within culture, we talk about things like values. And in particular, as a conservative Christian, we get into some Christian issues and values and so forth as well. And it's with that in mind that I'd like to welcome our next, uh, next guest. His name is Andy Mason. He's the director of an organization called Heaven in Business. Andy, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you so much, Todd. Well, it's uh, good to have you, and I appreciate what you're what you're trying to do. You know, I think one of the things that we battle here in America is, uh, you know, politics is really a symptom of culture and values, and I think that overlaps with what you're doing. So maybe tell the audience about your organization and maybe how you're trying to help folks uh, kind of win this this cultural battle here in the United States. Great, yeah, great question. I come back a step and I say, so uh, we exist to help people see and experience how much God values their everyday work because once you realize that, and then we equip them to partner with God and build excellent business. So Christian is not an excuse for really poor business. How do I build excellent business? And ultimately the overflow of that is how do I engage in shaping the values of the communities that we serve, which then leads into the bigger picture you're talking about is engaging in politics or government at a particular level for some people. Well, let me let me go back to the starting point then, because one of the words you use there, you talked about work, and a lot of people believe that work is a dirty kind of four-letter word, but work is a good thing. We can work too much. We can have our priorities out of whack, but work can be a good thing, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and especially if I'm, if I'm talking to believers, followers of Jesus, I, I just go right back to the garden. Before the fall, the mandate was protect, cultivate, keep a garden. So work was a part of perfection. So, and then I want to understand that work is part of our worship. That means for the, most people have reduced their Christianity to a two-hour service on a Sunday, whereas the reality is my worship, the work of my hands, it's all that I do every single day, whether I'm loving my wife, looking after my kids, uh, starting an entrepreneurial venture, all of it is valuable, and when I recognize and see that, it 10xs what I'm doing and the value in what I'm doing and then proposes this question, okay, if, well, if, if God designed it this way, then 
he understands how to run my business better than I do, then what if I asked him for his input? And the rest is history. That's right. So that's really where you kind of uh, come in where the rubber meets the road and try to help people no matter where they are, right? I think you're you're spot on accurate here. We kind of think sometimes we all maybe from time to time fall into the trap of thinking God does work on Sundays, maybe during our prayer time and devotional if we get to that during the week. And the truth is we kind of think we have to get through the work week and just get to Sunday uh, or maybe Wednesday and recharge, right? So you're telling people there's a different way. So you've got a workshop here in Indianapolis soon that's going to address some of those issues. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So the the goal is it's just a short one-day uh, workshop, and then there's an optional kind of activation, we would say, on the second day to test out what we've just talked about. So I'm bringing some friends uh, from from the there's a ministry school here where we have a heaven a business class building a business that demonstrates God. So they're coming to be part of that, and we will literally lay out some foundations of what does it look like to partner with God? How do we do that? What's the foundations and beliefs of that? And then we give practical keys how to hear God. So most business people I know and my background is the is we outsource our spirituality to someone else. So we bring that back and strengthen your direct connection with God. How do you practically hear him on a day-to-day basis in your business decisions? If Jesus is wisdom, how do you get wisdom for the business decisions, the strategies, the challenges, the difficulties? So we'll do that, train people practically to do that. And then we also throw in some other keys in how to stay engaged. If it's one thing, we know the difference between a business that's growing and advancing, assuming that you've got the basic principles of business, is hope. If I have hope for a better future, I'm going to take risk, expand, stretch, grow. If I don't have hope, I'm going to shrink back, uh, circle the wagons, and, and the future of that business is not good. So how do you keep hope? And a key component of that is the stories that we tell ourselves. So we'll equip people to do that also. So what I know is that everybody who comes will leave having some practical keys to not know, not just know how to hear God, but to be have heard God personally for themselves, to know how to apply that to their business in terms of business solutions and strategies, not just feeling good, not just feeling spiritual, but the practical engagement where if what Jesus did and said is true, then that applies from the boardroom to the bedroom to the battlefield and everywhere in between. And now we've got stories to prove that that is really true. Well, that's that's very well said. And practical, practical, practical. I think one of the one of the obstacles that many maybe Christians face today is almost this uh, this temptation to make their Christianity uh, simply academic, their faith something that's abstract, something that's intellectual, something that, you know, it, to some degree it kind of stems from that belief that we think I go to church to be fed these deep theological concepts and then I live my life. But what you're saying is no, not that there's anything wrong with the deep theological concepts, but let's take the basic and apply them to every aspect of our lives, including the business aspect. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. And 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 not just that, is what, it, what we see people as then, which brings circle back to why your show exists, is uh, it's not just to build excellent business because we find that people are doing that, but it's 
then saying, okay, my business is working. I'm applying some of these principles. And more importantly, I'm connected to Christ in my business. And I'm not talking about a T-shirt or a, a set of values that you tell the world. It's the core component or the underlying drivers of my business that are aligned from, I would say, from heaven's perspective. But then the next step is, if, if that's true, and I'm following that, I'm seeing the result of that, then I have a responsibility to engage in the community that I serve from a values perspective, because that's what is affecting our children's children. The decisions that we make today in our businesses, in our families, in our finances, and in our communities is going to affect the world that our children grow up in. So I have a responsibility from an ethical and family perspective, but then also from a a Christian perspective where Jesus said, uh, disciple nations. And it wasn't a suggestion, it was a command. So how do you do that? And how do we navigate that in an effective way? So yeah, over these next couple of days at this workshop, we were telling stories about that and what that looks like and helping people practically do that, starting with themselves and their business. I appreciate what you're doing. I will be there on uh, December the uh, December the sixth. So maybe tell our listeners who is this event for, and maybe some details. And I can I can hit the highlights on the details when we wrap up too. But but when this is, where this is located, and maybe who needs to be thinking about attending. Great. Um, yeah. Thanks, Todd. It's it, so they can find out more heavenandbusiness dot com. And they'll see under upcoming events, there's a link there to uh, heavenandbusiness.com backslash workshop dash Indianapolis. That's where they can find out more. It's for anybody. If you're in business or in work or you have your own business, or even if you are spiritually minded and you want to find out more, uh, our a typical customer is someone who loves God, loves work, but they are two separate worlds. And they're saying, how do we fully integrate the two and see practical results? So that's who's it for. Uh, we've got myself going to be there. So I'm, my background is from New Zealand. 11 years ago, God spoke to my wife and I to leave everything and come to America. And my background is agriculture. So business, consultancy, finance, and relationship management, and then international community development. And then for the last 11 years, we've been building heaven and business here from Redding, California. And then we've got with us your brother, Brad Huff, uh, from the very own Indianapolis with Mr. Quick, and Amos Ford, who leads all of what we're doing with our student directives, uh, initiatives. Uh, we've got a business boot camp. We've got a startup community here. So all of that he's leading and initiating. And then we've got a bunch of other friends who are going to join us that will be adding their practical stories and weight to what we are doing. Well, very good. So this is not, uh, if someone's not a, a business owner, entrepreneur, this, this still could, this still could be a fit for them. Absolutely. I, I think one of the biggest things that I'm learning is we are building and doing what I wish I had 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I was an employee as a in, inside a leading consultancy company in New Zealand. So I wish someone had told me what we're doing now back then. And then I worked as a relationship manager. I, I had a level of autonomy in that I ran my own unit or business unit. So 
So it wasn't my own business. I was as an employee in a larger company. So definitely, it implies to, to employees if you have a job or work. And I would say it also, and even more, applies to you if you're running your own company. You've got added responsibilities and cares. Then it's, it's an even greater need to get this thing right because it's going to help you on a day-to-day basis. Okay, well, very good. Well, Andy, I appreciate you spending time with us. I appreciate what you are doing. Again, if anyone wants to register for the Heaven in Business Workshop in Indianapolis on December 6th, you can simply go to heaveninbusiness.com slash workshop dash Indianapolis to find out more information and to register. Andy, it's a pleasure having you, sir. Thank you for being on the program today. Hi, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Todd. Every time we run an interview, because again, I like to have longer interviews. One of the things that drives me absolutely nuts when I watch normal, say, television news or what have you, even listening to some radio programs, which I don't often do candidly, but nonetheless, is are, are these super short interviews. I think that they lead to some super uh, superficialities. I think they only further the problem of people operating in sound bites and talking points. I'm not saying that, look, so using a sound bite, using a talking point can be helpful and illustrative for certain things, but it's also, it also can be problematic in the sense that there's no depth or uh, you know, there's there's no way to really add any substance to what folks are saying. So that's why we have these longer interviews. But as such, it's pushed me uh, past uh, the point of having normal segments today. So I've got to take another break. Apologize for this. Sit tight. I'll come back and wrap up for the day. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. <laughs> to the program so debated whether i was going to share this i thought i don't know i feel like maybe you'll you'll enjoy this really really quick story last night i was i was out um i was out. i if i'm out and about i'll work in the location uh there's restaurants that i work in how about that and so i was at a particular restaurant doing a little bit of work for the day grabbed a little bit of food and on my way out, this might sound made up. It is not made up. In fact, I believe uh, he's since posted something on Facebook that we'll share on our page. I, I think it's what the staff's trying to do here. But anyhow, as I'm walking out, I glance over and I see a gentleman that immediately, I've never met him, but I've encountered him on, on Facebook. He listens to the program, and I thought that's Mark is his name. And so I went out to my vehicle, and I uh, just grabbed a little something for him. And I walked by. <laughs> I wasn't sure it was him. These are the you know, but I I did. I walked by and I said, "Are you Mark?" And he said, "Yeah." And he says, "You know, oh Todd or whatever, some sort of interaction like that." I say, "Hey man, it's good to meet you. Appreciate you listening." 
had a brief interaction, understanding, uh, understand he was uh, celebrating his birthday with his wife, uh, JJ. Just wanted to say happy birthday, Mark. Appreciate you listening. And for all of our listeners, uh, if I see you on Facebook, I guess there's a chance that we could, uh, I could recognize you. So anyway, just thought I'd share that with you, random stuff. But there's the music telling me it's time to wrap up for the day, guys. As always, I appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day. S-D-G. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care.